Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from counterparty to rare pepes, crypto punks and kitties, from Xcopy to Pack, and people's record auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. Hi, uh, so my name is Marguerite DeCorsell. I'm the CEO of Blockade Games, and I've been a creative technologist in this space since before NFTs were born. Um, I have always been interested in the intersection of art and cryptocurrency and community. And I think that the NFT space is really uh, an incredible opportunity to highlight all of those areas. So what do NFTs mean for you? I mean, obviously that that kind of convergence of technologies, industries is is part of it. But what, what do NFTs mean to you as a, a creator, as a gamer or an investor? So there's multiple different perspectives and dynamics, I guess, that I think of NFTs. And when I think of them from like as a gamer, I see the opportunity to capture value uh, in ways that we've never seen before. Maybe I shouldn't have started with gaming as the first because I feel like gaming is where is the end game um, for NFT. So let me circle back to you as a creator and artist. I saw early on in the space um, as as a fine artist, this um, this it's it's a very interesting space like relationship between artists, the art world, uh, galleries, and monetization. And artists have always had a weird relationship with money. Um, you know, if you're if you're selling work for money, does that mean that you're a sellout? Or if you're making work and it's in high demand, but you really don't care if it's selling, then it's fine. But the thing is, as a traditional fine artist, getting into a gallery, they, the galleries take 50% of your pay. And so you can be a hobbyist as an artist or like submit to a certain lifestyle that's conducive to not really being paid so that you can still do your work, but generally you'll have another side job that's not actually complementary to your work or it is, and it's like doing little, just gallery work or something that's low pay though. And, and I had that sort of track record leading up to my experience with Bitcoin. I was a gallery curator. I have a fine art degree. I was a gallery director. And so I always myself personally struggled with the fact that when you sent a painting to a gallery, one, you're paying the shipping and oftentimes return shipping. And sometimes like you didn't even know if you were going to get accepted into a show. You So you're always hustling for finding out shows that you could participate in. Does your work fit a certain theme? There's a call for artists somewhere. How much, look, what's the foot traffic for that physical space? Generally, it's not very high. Usually on an opening day for a gallery show, you'll have a lot of foot traffic. That's when you're going to sell. And then after that point for maybe the next month, there's very little foot traffic. You probably won't sell anything. And then the artworks return to you and you have to then go and figure out what else to do with the rest of your artwork. Um, it's it's kind of a very defeating experience as an artist. So you can make it a fun lifestyle in the sense of having these residencies where um, you, you, know, you bounce from residency to residency, meeting cool creators, making interesting bodies of work, submitting papers to different uh, journals for publication, it's a very, it's a very specific hustle. So as a digital artist, though, it was even worse because selling artwork digitally 
it just, it didn't exist. So you have this entire class of, of artists that while shipping work and, and just the use cases of digital work is so vast. If you think about all of the applications of that sort of media, especially as the internet has really just since the 2000s become this, I mean, all you do is interact basically with visual media. Um, but there was no ways for these creators to monetize. They're just being paid and they're usually being paid at the very cheapest possible. Think about a lot of the marketplaces where artists and creatives were submitting for, you know, please hire me to do your work. And everyone then goes and tries to find the cheapest graphic designer possible. <laughs> like, um, but now with basically what we're seeing with NFTs is the way for these artists to finally own their careers and their career path and have ownership over their media in a way that we've never seen before. Um, I don't know if right now this is a bubble and so maybe that won't be sustainable forever, but it's just the fact that we have proven that you can do it. So how we support that, now we're probably gonna be turning around from here and building a lot of infrastructure to support that experience and for you know those pipelines for these artists to have that sort of career path. But anyways, so I really understood early on that there was a demand for this. And I was reading at the time, Ready Player One, Snow Crash, I was mining Bitcoin with my gaming GPUs in 2013. I understood the value of digital currency, uh, even virtual currency with uh, playing World of Warcraft and a lot of games that have these internal game economies um, and this concept of digital currency. So it clicked very quickly that, oh, Bitcoin is going to be like a digital currency, but not just tied to one application. It's going to be on all the applications. It's your wild gold that can live everywhere. Um, and understanding the difference between a database token and a decentralized you know, network and, and what that token means on a decentralized network. So <clears throat> anyways, going further from there, NFTs for me, um, as a creator and artist, investing in the sense that the reason I was able to launch my own game company in 2018 is because of being very strategic, strategic in the things that I thought were exciting and those seeing those things become successful, I was able to turn around and invest in the vision I wanted to see happen, which was, and like I'm talking about that artist vision, but also the gaming side. So as a gamer, I don't know how many hours I've spent in grinding in games, you know, accumulating that in-game currency or the assets, the characters, just to, you know, be defeated in the sense that you continually spend in these games and you realize you're a rat in the maze. You, you get that sense and you know you're, but you enjoy it and you, it has a social component. So you do it anyway. Um, it's fun. It teaches, it can be skill-based and strategic, but people do burn out. So you burn out and you eventually are like, why am I spending so much time doing this thing? That's not giving me any value back to my quality of life. And I mean, I agree that this is entertainment, but at the sense, like we're hitting a place where your entertainment doesn't have to be a money pit or a waste of your time in a sense where you can't translate that value further. So if you are a skill-based gamer, let's imagine a Magic the Gathering gamer, you're collecting a deck that is potentially valuable in its own right. And then being able to play strategically with that deck is a competitive, fun, exciting entertainment. But it's not necessarily a waste of your time because of that strategy. You have this reputation that you now have associated with yourself, but you also have this deck, which is inherently valuable. Um, we're seeing that application applied to NFT gaming, but NFT gaming is yet to really have its day. Everyone's really caught up right now with the fact that you can still just token back digital art 
like that everyone's stuck at square one at the moment because it's very exciting. So as everyone's catching up there, eventually we're going to see this utility start to play out. And the utility is the gaming side. It's the application. It's what can I do now with this NFT? What is it dynamic? Is this a static asset that never, like the data is completely immutable. Nothing about it will ever, ever change. That can be a great use case for fine art, but for immutable uh, or sorry, for mutable data, like metadata that you want to be able to be upgradable, smart contracts are upgradable. The NFT is designed to become more valuable as the player becomes a better gamer. <clears throat> that is the story that I'm really interested in. And I think a lot of it comes down to that essence, actually, the story. What's so magical about the blockchain is that we have these ledgers, these histories, transactions, um, relationships of of people tied to assets and addresses, and then how, you know how things evolve over time. There's a lot of legacy and lore just in the Bitcoin space in general, and then beyond that, these different crypto projects. I don't. I really believe these applications and history of assets going forward are going to have that same sort of experience. It's it's a culture. I just want to um, focus on. So it sounds like until now, you kind of had these two identities, right? One was. One was as a gamer, one was as an artist, a gallerist, and those two worlds couldn't collide. But I guess now, because there's greater fluidity, these two economies can be one and the same. You can exit out of a game that you've been grinding in, and then you can you know, move over into either another game and or you know, being a collector or, or creator. Yes, absolutely. Um... That's right. And I, there's some interesting behavior right now um, where collectors can become famous for being a collector, a famous collector. And, and they have the opportunity in current marketplaces to go and bid. So just for purposes of um, context, let's say I'm a famous gamer, not necessarily collector, but gamer and my collection of my games have become notable. Let's say now I move over into a marketplace and I make a bid on someone's artwork or a different game asset, and they may know that I have this huge influence and maybe I, it's a low bid, but this artist or you know whoever's selling may see, they'll see the notification that I'm a, a reputable collector in some capacity because of my on-chain behavior. So then they can like accept my offer and it could have the benefit of their entire collection now be more valuable because of who their collectors are. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting. The idea that bidding is also part of the social game, right? It is um, you're lending social status to the process of a transaction. It's not just the transaction itself. It's the auction and, and that as a social event. Um, so, I mean, you touched a little bit upon, what kind of got you into NFTs? So we don't really need to cover that so much, but what have been the defining moments for you, either at an industry level or at a personal level in the context of NFTs and their evolution? The defining moments for me, I would say would be, um, there's a few. When I was, as an artist, when I hid a private key in my artwork for the first time, and it became the most viral thread on the founder of Bitcoin's, his uh, forum, so Bitcoin Talk. At the time in 2014, 
that was insane to me. I mean, talk, think about all of the threads that were happening at that time with Bitcoin just really kind of taking off, getting traction. And here you are with the artist putting out a picture of a painting that has a private key encoded in it. And it has just captured the imaginations of basically the entire forum. As an artist, I had never really had this sort of engagement online with my work ever. <laughs> so I was thinking, what did I just do? And I think that the the seeing the intersection of creative and technology and the, and also backed by this vast world of the internet because that trail did take place all that so this puzzle trail of how to find that bitcoin private key it took place all over the internet and even in and out of some different gaming applications um, where players had to go and traverse all of these different medias and and hunting for this private key i just felt like I did something new. And as an artist, you have this experience sometimes where when you're told in art school that you're probably not going to do anything new or have an original idea. Um, and that's this whole idea with Andy Warhol back in the day with this idea of the death of art, that there really is no, there are no more new ideas to be had. They've all been found essentially uh, by like the creatives which is not true, but it was, that's an interesting time period. That's where you have all the replications of like the Campbell soup and, you know, the different prints and making marketing and turning it into art that happened in that time period. So anyways, you have this, like, you have this preconception that you're the chance of actually doing something new and original is, is so difficult. It's like, it's like the same chance of becoming a superstar essentially um, in any industry. So when I did that, though, and I had that experience, I realized that there was a space in this very high tech industry. There was going to be a space and a purpose for creatives. And from there, I just never really stopped. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. You're kind of a creative technologist, so you're actually playing with the medium uh, itself, right? And how you play with the medium um, becomes as much of the art as the content itself. This is actually something I'm so passionate about right now. Um, I get I get kind of frustrated currently, and I realize everyone needs a chance to experiment and onboard. But the fact that we've made these tools to be so user-friendly to make an NFT, so you can just push a button and now you've made an NFT, but you've we've completely obfuscated the technology that's behind it. And granted, maybe these people don't need to know the technology. But again, I really do think that the masters per se, the masters of the media will be the ones that deeply understand the technology and understand what is possible with it, because they'll be able to highlight and showcase what will feel like magic tricks to everyone else. So like there's it, it is double-edged sword uh, currently, but I do believe that the medium is where the magic is. Because you can, like currently what you're seeing is people creating their artwork in their traditional way, and then they upload the file, and then they push a button to mint it. That is fine. And the fact that you can transfer that is still a magic trick for a lot of people, but it might not even be on-chain. It might just be mutable you know, art where someone could just swap the art file out, and it could be a different image, and you know, no one actually owns that. It's, it belongs on a data. The image is on a database somewhere. So all that's unique there is the token ID of this NFT, which is you know probably meaningless without out 
be further associations attached to it. But you have a whole nother group of people working on that fringe space of how can we push what is possible with NFTs. And that's where I think the really creative and interesting conversations are happening, but they're currently being lost to the noise of these high sales of just the fact that you can transfer and sell art on the internet. Um, so I, I'm excited for when that dies down and then people get really interest, more interested in the use cases and the actual functionalities of what's possible with the technology. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I hadn't thought of it that way, that the masters of NFTs will be masters of the medium itself. And, um, you know, you can certainly see value naturally accruing there, right? You know, CryptoPunks is popular, not necessarily because of its aesthetic, but because of what it represented in terms of the innovation and pushing the boundaries of the space. And I think that's what is definitely interesting about artists like like yourself. So in that context, what are the important things then? So I imagine for somebody that is interested in, as you say, creating magic tricks and innovating and playing with the technology, things like composability are important, things like on-chain metadata are important in a way that they wouldn't be to somebody that's just going to take the medium as is in its most basic form. Well, in addition to that, also the experiences you can create across the digital space. And that digital space can be online, can be on the internet. You can be unlocking experiences with NFTs. Like you say, composable, like A plus B equals a C experience. And this is all done through smart contracts and assets. Um, the gamification of it goes very deep. Uh, and then that also extends to our physical space. So how will that affect augmented reality or anything like clothing and fashion. And I think it all comes down to experiences and then ownership. These two things combined um, is going to make just a lot of excitement because we, ha we haven't had it before. And we're also removing thir third parties in a lot of cases where people are experiencing it this directly from the creator. So um, there's a, there's a sense of like being a first mover, backing someone early in the same way that I love Kickstarter back in the day, because it felt like I was backing a team directly. But if you look at Kickstarter, it's a broken model because Kickstarter itself takes so much money from the, you know, the potential raise. Um, how cool is it that an artist can roll out with a great innovative idea and people that find it interesting can back them directly. And then everyone gets to experience that growth. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, I, this is why I normally ask, you know, hopes and fears. I think you've already kind of mentioned your fears that there's there's so much noise now that people just take the medium as it is. Um, and maybe that foreshadows or overshadows um, the, the real innovation. But so maybe what's your, what's your hope for the space, the future of NFTs? So my hope, and you'll see this in just even what I've been developing with Neon District, is that we'll be able to disrupt a lot of the establishments and economic, the, the markets in which we've kept a, a, a creative class completely suppressed. Um, and not just creatives, it's, it's a lot of hardworking people that are now going to be able to participate in an online global economy. So the hope is that we create enough onboarding experiences where people through strategy, skill, talent can onboard and not not with having to pay gas fees, not with having to have crypto in their hands first, 
but because, and I know this because like we've done it ourselves, but to create these opportunities where just doing what they're really naturally good at, being able to benefit and onboard into the crypto ecosystem to have a new financial future for themselves or their families. It doesn't matter if you're in the US, if you're in Africa, if you're in South America, everyone gets, we're going to level the playing field of the global economy. And what we can all do together as a, as for humanity in that, in that new dynamic. So hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week, so make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time capsule drop.